Welcome to the Japan Longing Club podcast, a podcast for those who long to travel to Japan and appreciate media, games, and real life culture from Japan and the world beyond. We're your hosts, Jared and Randy. Randy, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty swell, Jared. Happy to be here. How are you doing? I am doing pretty swell too. Feels like it's a good day. It's going oh, into yeah. summer, getting a little hotter. I've heard that it's pretty warm for you around there. It's actually pretty cool here. It's been in like the 50s and 60s. Yeah, we've been having some small heat waves and then it gets cooler. So it's been a time. But what have you been yeah. up to? I, I've i heard that you've gotten a Steam Deck. I'll try not to talk about it for the entire show. But yeah, I finally was able to get mine and it's uh, been exciting. I uh, get to play all of my... My fun PC games wherever I go. I even made a trip out to a coffee shop on Saturday just so I could sit somewhere, have a nice coffee, and play a game that I normally wouldn't be able to play mobile anywhere. So uh, it was pretty pretty good time. So I'm happy with my purchase. That sounds like a good time. What What game were you playing on the go that you usually wouldn't be able to? Well, I was playing Scarlet Nexus, uh, which is a action RPG from Bandai Namco. Uh, which uh, I'm only a couple hours in, but I'm having fun so far. And then otherwise, I started playing Hades, which I know I, I could just play on my Switch, but uh, gave that a try. And that's also very fun. So I have a bunch of things to get through, a lot of things in my backlog that I could start making progress on, which is uh, pretty exciting. So I think I've installed like maybe like 400 gigs worth of games on that thing. So That's awesome. Um, I... I hope that you stick with Hades because it would be nice to hear your thoughts as you continue through and trying to figure out your your dad complex and everything that's happening right. in that game. I was very proud of myself because I was struggling against the first boss a few times and then I took a break and then I came back and I sat down and I beat her in one run and then I continued and then I beat the next boss in the same run and I got to the next area and then I I, I died finally, so... We'll see how things go, but I, I think I made a lot of progress there. Yeah, uh, I put a good 60 hours, I think, into Hades, and I loved every moment of it. My Joy-Cons on my Switch, they uh, they that's what really finally did those Joy-Cons in. I had bought some new <laughs> ones after it. Um, the bosses are great. The, the progression of each run that you're going through, uh, the Underworld... Mm gives you small tidbits of story, right? So each time as you, um, whether you die or if you make it further or whatever happens, you get more and more story. And it's just, that's what keeps that one going. And I think that's what really brought it into success. It was such a good runner game. Plus, I don't know about you, but I pet the dog every time I come home. I believe that I did most of the time. <laughs> most? How would you not? Hey, sometimes he's not there. Okay, well, then it's not your fault. Yeah. Well, I'm going to hold back on talking too much about Hades because I do not want to spoil anything. Mm, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> when you were talking about the different bosses, I'm like, okay, I remember that. And then things kind of change over time. And I remember the second boss. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember his name. And then I'm thinking even that could be a spoiler. So we're just going to hold off. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to talk more about Hades with you. We can do that after the show. Yes, the Hades cast. <laughs> We're starting a new show just to talk about that. Um, I'm glad that you got your Steam Deck. I know you've been wanting this forever. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm over here rocking that Switch. I've been playing, um, I'm still playing a little bit of Chrono Cross. 
So I have not made much progress. I've made it mm. through the first little twist in the game, which it's only a few hours in, if that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just trying to play some light stuff, still playing some Mario Kart and Smash Brothers and having a good time there. Good. But any any recent stuff you've been watching, any good anime or any shows that come to mind? Uh, well, last week I watched Bubble, uh, which was a good time. Uh, even though looking back on it, I don't remember a lot and I don't think it held my attention as much as I wanted it to, or is this going to be something we talk about later in the show? We're going to talk about bubble on our special episode five, because we're listening, because you're listening right now to episode four listeners of the Japan Logging Club podcast. But episode five is going to be a special recording that Randy and I do, uh, because we're going to be really busy over the next few weeks, we, but we still wanted to push out something. So we're going to have a special like what we've been watching podcast where we've got a few things lined up that we've both seen and we can both talk about. And Bubble Perfect. is on there because uh, I watched Bubble today <laughs> and it was uh, I still remember some things, but it, it was uh, it was interesting. We'll say that. <laughs> uh, other than that, I've continued watching Digimon Adventure 2020. I've been watching Sorcerer Hunters, which is an anime I watched a long, 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 long time ago. And I've had the DVDs for a while. But last year, two years ago, I got the SDBD that Discotech put out. So I finally got around to start watching that. And that's been a good, good time. Did you just say SDBD? Is that like standard def Blu-ray? Yes, that is correct. So rather than being in high definition, they don't have HD masters. So instead... They have it all in standard definition, and they're able to fit the whole 29-episode series on one disc, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I just, in the few episodes here, you've been bringing up Digimon. What you've been watching, is this, for someone like me who grew up as a kid watching Digimon and loving the first season and maybe the second and third season a little bit, does this mm-hmm. tie into that at all? So this is a reboot of the first season, so it's the same kids, but different circumstances and different adventures but it is their first foray into the digital world so it's a reboot of season one so instead of it just being like a computer are they got like vr headsets now and google glass and they're going in and so they still have their digivices um but uh izzy slash koshiro uh, before he had a laptop, and now he has a two-in-one laptop, so it can swivel and turn into a tablet, because it's taking place in modern-day times with modern tech. They, I believe, have cell phones, but they don't have anything else technologically to use in this fight, at least not so far. And I believe I'm uh, 17 episodes in, so we're still doing Devamon, and I'm excited to see where this goes, because... I believe we're finally getting introduced to our seventh chosen child, because this time, instead of starting with seven and finding eight, we're starting with six. We still have to find seven and eight. So it's uh, it's interesting. Gotcha. And so they basically just like revamped everything and it's just more modern. And that's yes. super interesting. <laughs> I want to know what would happen if famous anime and live action director Hideaki Anno, who directed such hits, Shin Godzilla... Neon Genesis Evangelion, Hmm. and whatever you want to throw in there, Randy. (laughs) Well, uh, newly released uh, Shin Kamen Rider or Shin Ultraman. I can't remember which. Shin Ultraman, I believe, just came out in Japan. Yes, Shin Ultraman. That just came out, right? 
Yes. So when we're looking forward to Shin Kamen Rider, other things he's done in the past, uh, Nadia, Secret of Blue Water. Well, I'm wondering what would happen if Anno got his hands on Digimon. Oh, I don't think that'd be a good fit, but I would absolutely watch it. Get <laughs> into the Digimon, Ty. Get in there. <laughs> Get in there. Get in there. Wait. Oh, this is like season four where the kids were the Digimon. That's so strange. Oh, man. You know what? They had to keep up, you know, come on up with new things. But speaking of new things, it's time for Go Guy, Go Guy, Extra, Extra, the Japan Longing Club Shinbun, where we talk about what I have dubbed as the reopening. Hmm. Yeah. So dun, what is dun, this? Dun. So uh, last time we talked about how Japan had begun to or would be beginning the reopening process for foreign tourists. And it was announced on May 12th that a group made up of the Japan Association of Travel Agents, Japan Hotel Association, and the JR Japan Railway Group with other major travel companies had submitted a formal request to the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure, Transport, Tourism, and possibly Ministry of Magic uh, to open mm. <laughs> some borders to the tourists. Um the request was to do away with the daily entry cap and noted that Japan is one of the last countries in the world to remain closed to tourists. Entry cap was, and I believe still is, 10,000 people a day, but not really allowing any foreign tourists in. Mm. Um, we talked about how Prime Minister Fumio Kishida had already announced plans to ease the border restrictions this month in May, uh, possibly allowing group tours with fixed itineraries, but there were no details yet. Um, they were kind of to be continued. And here is what we got after that by some interviews that had happened and some information came out. Uh, Japan is going to accept a grand total of 50 tourists this month. Wowzers. In, in May. Yes, wowzers. 50. You can almost count that on one hand. Um, <laughs> what kind of hands do you have, Jared? Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once hands, you know. <laughs> Just have to tap into a different universe. So, yes, <laughs> these tourists, um, they're going to be designated from only certain countries, such as Australia, Singapore, Thailand, and the United States, in groups of about four people who are vaccinated and boosted. So that's like a they're like uh, itinerary heavy groups um, where it's about four or five people, give or take. Um, they're going to be under constant watch by a tour guide to monitor the group's actions, provide COVID nineteen prevention measures. Um, they're going to take their temperature and all that good stuff. Um, and so this all came from a statement by Tatsuya Fujioka. He's the director of the new development office at the Japan Tourism Agency's International Tourism Department. And this was all told as <laughs> per Vice World News. I feel like every title we ever talk about out of Japan is like five five titles long and it's very anime. Um, mm -hmm. like every time we watch an anime, they're like, it's the defense ministry of the land and the agency of international tourism, AKA here's your acronym. Um, plenipotentiary. Yeah. Like. Yes. Plenipotentiary. Uh, Randy, what do you think about this? Like 50 people only small groups of four, uh, heavy itinerary. You're heavily watched, have to give your temperature in the morning. What, what do you think of that? Where it's such like small offering there. Well, it seems like they're doing their best to keep things under control, so that way if things do go awry, it's not a massive influx of new cases uh, coming to their country, which 
I think is smart and perhaps at this number is very manageable and that it's probably going to be a thing where they slowly open things up more and allow more people in just trying to gauge, you know, what their capacity is. So it's exciting that people can uh, move about again, as long as, you know, they are vaccinated and boosted. And I assume, uh, you know, temperature checks and everything to keep everybody on the up and up. So that's exciting, especially if you were longing to go to Japan. Now is your chance. What about if you keep all of that in mind in comparison to the thousands of like Japanese citizens that can like leave the country and enter the country, also bringing COVID back in, and they can just go to wherever. So the comparison there, right, is why all of these people from these travel tourism agencies and et cetera have been arguing that if their own people can just leave and come back as they wish. Why can't we just bring more tourists in? I mean, you could turn that around and be like, why do we let thousands of Japanese people come and go? Why don't we just limit that number? Because that would be safer. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough nut to crack. And thankfully, not my job to figure that out. So Exactly. Um, well, all of this was originally planned to happen in November, but it was delayed until now because of the Omicron COVID variant. Omicron is Omicron? Omicron crazy. Omicron, Omicron. I, I keep on thinking of Transformers with that, and I just I can't stop. <laughs> um, as of last week, though, details of where people would be traveling to were not yet decided, uh, but they could expect, as we said, a fixed itinerary uh, where these like four or five people in a group would be having meals together and traveling to designated locations. The appointed guide would monitor each person uh, with COVID-19 symptoms, the temperature checks, et cetera. Um, and that people entering would have to download apps that other people who were entering the country had to download. So Coco and my SOS. I wonder if Coco is an acronym <laughs> for, for what that could be. COVID opening caution of ascendance. That could be. <laughs> I wonder if that's what it is. I thought about Perhaps. downloading these apps. We should download those apps. <laughs> See what I they do. assume if it's supposed to be used by tourists that there are multiple language options. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be tracking like your health and your movement throughout the country. Okay. And when Vice World News had asked Fujioka what would happen if someone ran away from the group tour, he said it would be a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you think? I I just, there's something that's very amazing about traveling to Japan, and that's having the freedom to, uh, the freedom and the sense of safety, uh, typically to go into different places and, you know, maybe explore something that's not the beaten path. And mm -hmm. these trips are definitely pretty much considered an experiment, right? Uh, it is not for just like random tours to sign up for. I think there was a lot of uh, specific groups or sets of people who were picked for this. Um, I was watching a live stream the other night on Twitch of Paxat Travel, and Evan, who is like the head of Paxat Travel, and that's the travel group that I went to uh, Japan with twice, highly recommend. Um, he is one of the 50 people who will be on this trip, and uh, he didn't have too many details to share, but he did say that the paperwork process was immense. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it probably I can imagine. A lot, of, uh, a lot of paperwork. So I think that trip is happening this week or next. I think it's this week, so I hope that he's wow. having a good time. Hopefully, maybe he can share 
you know, through Pack Set. They said they're going to continue doing some live streams. Maybe he can share what it was like. Um, be really interested to hear. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to know what happened if someone ran away, though. Just like, that's Tokyo Tower. I want to run to it. I want to reenact the bubble movie. And then <laughs> and then they're like, no, when they just like taser you. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I don't know what their, their measurements for that would be. Uh, maybe scary to imagine. I don't know. It'd be like the first foreigner that some places had probably seen in a long time. They'd be like, wait, it's a foreigner. What is happening? <laughs> um, but yeah, one unique thing about this is... Uh, that you are exempt from self-isolating because of your vaccination status coming into the country. Whereas I believe okay. before for most foreign uh, foreigners that you had to follow those really strict hotel stays where it ranged from like three to more than three days, depending on all these things and what time you were going back into the country. If you were had residency status there and et cetera. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's all steps to get there, but I'm curious about what's going to happen in June because June was when there's supposed to be more information. Well, it's coming up real fast, isn't it? It is coming up real fast. So that's what uh, that's the big update for now. Really curious to see how that goes. Our next news item is related to Studio Ghibli and how St- Studio Ghibli visited an unofficial Ghibli cafe. Randy, I know that you must be a big fan of Studio Ghibli. I like most things that I've seen, and I've seen quite a bit. I wouldn't say they're my favorite, but it's exciting. Yeah, there's some good stuff out there. There is in Tokyo, there is a, so the Ghibli Museum, and there's a cafe there, and it's all official, and it's more of like an animation museum and some history Mm -hmm. stuff. There's some amazing um, sets in there that you can walk through that has a bunch of artwork from different Ghibli films uh, laid about. It's it's incredible. Um, I've not been to the cafe because uh, I was always leaving, you know, really quickly to get out of there by the time I was done. Mm-hmm. But there's an unofficial cafe uh, in Nagoya City, which is definitely a, a good trip on the Shinkansen bullet train away from Tokyo going west. This cafe is called Cafe Kodama and the official name of the cafe is Osu no Mori Cafe Kodama so if you're trying to look it up and it's named after the forest spirits in Princess Mononoke. Randy have you seen those forest spirits, the little white spirits and, and they like kind of click their heads back and forth? Yeah, if I could make that sound I would absolutely be making that constantly right now but Princess Mononoke was actually my First Studio Ghibli film. Oh, wow, Jared, you have them on your shirt. Yeah, my wife got me this shirt like a year ago, and there's a little Kodama on there. So I wonder if I get like a free (laughs) ticket into this cafe. (laughs) That'd be nice. Yeah. (laughs) So the cafe, it's Studio Ghibli themed with decorations, merchandise, and themed food and drinks. Ghibli film music, so soundtrack music, plays while you enjoy your eggs and bacon, uh, a la (laughs) Howl's Moving Castle. In calcifer style or a dessert dish. It's like a little pot with like dirt or like cookie crumbs on it. And it looks like uh, like Totoro. I think they put like a plushie of Totoro behind it to make it look like he's <laughs> trying to grow like a plant out of it. Um, so in addition to this, the new Ghibli Park is opening in the greater Nagoya area. Not sure how far from like Nagoya City, but um the official Studio Ghibli Twitter account, they tweeted, came here with Goro, and they posted some photos um, that they were there. And 
by Goro, they're probably mean Goro Miyazaki, Miyazaki's son. Um, so they posted their pics and, you know, it's presumed that maybe they visited while they're passing through Nagoya City to get to the new park that's being made because Goro is the primary designer and planner for the park. So mm. uh, one of the items they had ordered was a blue drink called Reunion with the Kohaku River <laughs> based off of Spirited <laughs> Away and Haku. Sorry, spoiler. Um, <laughs> I know. But yeah, they, they have like a, an omelet and it might be like omu rice, the omelet over rice where uh, it's shaped like uh, one of the girl's hats. Um, I can't remember if it's May. I think it's May. Uh, in Totoro, so it's like shaped after her her little sun hat, which is cute. They like I said, mm-hmm. they have that bacon and the eggs. I really want to go there because apparently it's pretty under the radar. So hmm. it sounds like it'd be awesome. It's like in the fourth floor of some building, uh, called the Akamon Building near. Kami Mezu Station in Nagoya City. So you really have to look this up and kind of find the address and get there. It's not like it's the most easiest thing, depending on how you're passing through. But um, Nagoya is can be passed through pretty easily on a bullet train. There's some other stuff to do there, too. Um, but if you're going to like make that stop, I think there's like a train museum near there too, like in that, in the city at least. So there's some stuff to plan, but yeah, Randy, what do you think? Would you want to go there and hang out with Calcifer and sip on the drinks? Absolutely. It seems like it would be a lot of fun. I don't think I've ever been to a theme restaurant like that before for something that, you know, I have a lot of love for, I guess it's very strange. I don't think that I super love Ghibli films the way some other people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and there's some of them I've only ever seen once. Like I've only ever seen Totoro once and that was like five years ago, but yeah, it would be very exciting, especially if they have a lot of princess Mononoke stuff, because that's one of my favorites or Pompoko, which I also love. There's uh gosh, there's just so many things there that I would hope to see if they're being the full Ghibli experience. Yeah. Hopefully they don't have anything based off of Grave of the Fireflies. That would just be sad. I don't want that. It'd be basically be like a shot of sake, and they said these are the tears of children. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. No, it sounds like it's a good time. If you don't make it there, I think the, the Ghibli Museum, I believe it's in Mitaka uh, in Tokyo, that would definitely be... Uh, worth going to um, if you ever plan on trying to go to the Ghibli Museum you're going to want to reserve your tickets ahead of time look up online how that all works because if you wait until you get there there's a very good chance you're not going to get tickets to get in so but yeah so our next news item it's the fact that Makoto Shinkai's new film Suzume no Tojimari is announced to be released in theaters here, like in the United States, in early 2023, coming out in Japan in November 22. So we don't have to wait too long. Um, so early 23, I don't know, January through March, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> right. And who's putting this out? Well, in the United States, uh, it's going to be Crunchyroll. And then I like outside of the U.S., it's supposed to be like a Crunchyroll and Sony distribution except for asia because someone else is going to handle it in certain asian markets Mm -hmm. but yeah crunchyroll is going to have a a big to do with this so we watched the trailer 
that we had talked about on a previous episode of the podcast. Um, but we watched that trailer again. What did you think of the trailer? Uh, builds a lot of mystery and mystique. Uh, there's no dialogue, so it's pretty exciting just being sold by visuals and tone alone. Mm. So I'm intrigued, but I know very little of what this is. But it's a Makoto Shinkai film, so count me in. I definitely want to see what he's putting out. Yeah, I just I feel like sometimes his films lean heavily fantasy, and then he pulls it back in, and it's more sci-fi or love story mix. And sometimes mm. he'll try to like mix them together. So I'm curious what this will be. I'm going to read a little bit of the a little synopsis, little introduction to the story that has come out and been translated since then. So Suzume no Tojimari is a coming-of-age story for the 17-year-old protagonist, Suzume, set in various disaster-stricken locations across Japan, where she must close the doors, causing devastation. I don't know if that's like Kingdom Hearts, but there's a lot I of I was going to doors. say that's, that's Kingdom Hearts, so that's very cool. I'm excited for that. An anime adaptation, finally. We've waited so long. So long. Suzume's journey begins in a quiet town in Kyushu, located in southwestern Japan. We talked about Kyushu on the last episode of the podcast <laughs> and how you can cycle there or go over the Naruto Strait on your boat and hopefully you don't <laughs> drown. Um, <laughs> when she encounters a young man who tells her, I'm looking for a door. <laughs> I don't know if cool. it's Mickey Mouse or what. Um, <laughs> What Suzume finds is a single weathered door standing upright in the midst of ruins, as though it was shielded from whatever catastrophe struck. Seemingly drawn by its power, Suzume reaches for the knob. Doors begin to open one after another all across Japan, unleashing destruction upon any who are near. Suzume must close these portals to prevent further disaster. All right. Count me in. Yeah, I I can't wait. I'm hoping. I'm going to buy my tickets ASAP. I don't know if you can, but if you do, let me know. Well, that's why I'm going to do it ASAP as soon as possible. So you can get your fill of Shinkai. The stars, the Mm -hmm. sunset, and the morning sky apparently is also advertised. (laughs) And we can't forget that uh, coming this year also is Dragon Ball Super, Super Hero. Forgot about that. When is that coming out? um, I want to say summer, but I can't really recall. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I, I have complicated feelings about that movie. Because it's CG or because of the timeline? (laughs) Yeah, also the timeline. I can get real nerdy about it, but yeah, the CG thing kind of rubs me in a weird way. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Well, yeah, we'll we'll check it out. We'll talk about it a little bit here, but Mm -hmm. I know you'll talk about it probably heavily on your other podcast if you want to pitch that real quick. Definitely. If you want to hear me talk more about Dragon Ball, uh, you can check out We Got a Podcast, Dragon Ball from A to Z. done by me and uh, Doug Drabaz uh, talking all things Dragon Ball. A new episode every other week. Check it out wherever you listen to this podcast or other podcasts. It's It'll, it'll be there. Yeah. Well, it is time to grab a bowl of matcha and some Japanese sweets as we read the following story from Camellia Teahouse in Kyoto. And we're going to do this a little differently this time where Randy's going to read some. I'm going to read some. We're going to take turns and have a good time. We're going to open this with a poem called Fresh Green. Fresh green leaves, blowing, blowing, where I lie. Wakaha fukifuki tote netarikeri. A poem by Isa. 
maple leaves are famously celebrated at the end of their short life, when they bow out in spectacular yellows and reds. But their appearance in Kyoto is also cause for cheer. As the curtain falls on the Aoi Matsuri, the tea house suites are also exchanged, reflecting the onset of Kyoto's greenest season. Kaede mochi are emblazoned with a young maple leaf, the subtle yellows and greens within hinting at late spring. Kaede and momiji are both Japanese names for maple. While not a strict rule, because koyo, another reading of momiji, is used to describe autumn colors in general, the word kaede for many conjures an image of fresh green maple leaves. One particularly popular way of enjoying the fresh green leaves and autumn reds is via a reflective surface, whether it's a highly polished drawing room table or a lacquered floor. Arayashiyama's Yusei Te and nearby Kyute Omuro are fine examples. Around this time of year, there are a lot of rainy days, but don't be fooled. Rainy season has not quite yet arrived. Hashiri Zuyu describes the unstable weather preceding the rainy season. So this is a about a third of a longer post on the Camellia Teahouse Twitter, um, where they keep posting more about different things happening. Um, they start going into like the season in May, and there's a lot of really great information. So you can follow Camellia Teahouse on Twitter, at Camellia Kyoto, for more Japan culture, tea, and history posts. And you can check out their website, t-kyoto.com, for pricing and scheduling. And to spell that out for Camellia, it's C-A-M-E-L-L-I-A-K-Y-O-T-O. So at Camellia Kyoto. And that's about it. We're going to wrap this up, Randy. Sounds good. Yeah. A lot of good news. Good talking about Digimon. (laughs) Everyone out there, please send us your questions and travel stories to longingclub at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Twitter at longingclub. Randy, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at Saber underscore Breaker. That's pretty much where I am on Twitter. Otherwise, Saber Breaker, no underscore on Tumblr, which I've fallen behind on posting and things there. But I'm liking stuff. I'm lurking. So if you follow me, I'll follow you back. You can find me online at Hot Anime Vlogger, where I do some light posting. But mostly it's to post about the Japan Longing Club. So follow our podcast online at Longing Club on Twitter and look for the Japan Longing Club podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. And as they say, John A. and have a good day. (laughs) See you later.